ever quit a job, ever redefine yourself within one, ever started something in one big or failed. Quit is a call-in show, hopefully helping people sort out their lives, reevaluate their options, kick their crummy corporate stooge jobs to the curb, and start something awesome. I'm Dan Benjamin. It's time to quit. I'd like to say thanks very much to our sponsors for today, Shutterstock.com and Ting.com. We will tell you more about them as we do this show. We also want to say thanks very much to Cashfly.com. These are the folks that provide all of the bandwidth for all of the downloads of all the shows here on 5 by 5 If you downloaded the show and it was fast, it's all because of them. You can check them out at Cashfly.com. Be sure to let them know that you heard about it here on 5 by 5 So my guest today, an old friend of mine, it's David Hannemeyer Hansen. He's the partner in 37 Signals. He's the creator of Rails. I've known him uh, since Rails was still quite young. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, you're out there in Chicago. Yes, for the time being. For the time being. You travel a lot, you race cars, and you somehow manage to continue to be involved in the Rails community and update that. You guys, 37 Signals makers of applications like Basecamp, Rise, and campfire and many, many, many more that we all use every single day and take for granted. And that's you. You guys, you guys are, are doing that. You're behind the scenes and making that happen. Yep. That is uh, accurate. We're sort of just uh, sticking with it is the motto. Yeah. And what, what's also really cool is that you're well known, not just in the Rails community, but in development and, and in business as a whole for being somebody who is, uh, I, would, I would say, fairly opinionated and fairly um, content to share your opinion about things with people, with people at, uh, in business, with people at conferences. doesn't matter where it is. You're a guy who's not afraid to say what's on your mind. That is absolutely true. One of the uh, benefits, I think, of being independent, in both in terms of uh, the technology uh, and in terms of the business, that when you're sort of running your own show, you don't have to moderate your thoughts as to whether somebody up the chain or whatever likes what you have to say you can sort of just tell it like it is yeah and, uh, that's what i like to hear so i try to i try to speak about the things and write about the things as if uh, i was sitting in the audience would right. i be interested in listening to myself talk about this yeah and and that's and that's something you've come i mean you've very famously had slides with and we'll, you know we talked about this before the show started you, you sometimes curse and that's all right. We're going to roll with it. You've had slides that have just had uh, the F word on them. Yep. That was, uh, I think actually the second talk I ever gave on, on rails had a big, uh, fuck you slide. Yeah. And I mean, that was made waves, made waves. Some people loved it. Some people said, this guy's the champion of, of our kind. He's, he's paving the way for people. And then other people were like, wow, how am I supposed to take that guy seriously now? And double side, two sides to everything, right? I think that is the natural law of sort of passion that you're going to have people who hate it and you're going to have people who love it. And that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. You can be the gray goo in the middle or, or you can be stuff that's polarizing. <laughs> um, very, very few people are able to ignite passion without creating sort of some other balance in the universe to counter that, which is uh, the haters and, and the trolls. Yeah. Well, also in the studio with me, as always, is Hattie Cook. She's my producer and account manager. Hi, Hattie. Hi, Dan. How are you? How are you? I'm good. A little chaotic day today. We got it all done, though. That's the important part. Big move. So <laughs> since the last time we did this show, we've moved from our old little 
uh, tiny little office in a, a co-working uh, shared space into our own spacious, expansive offices, which look more than anything else like an IKEA showroom, but for better or for worse, that's we've got things to sit on now. We've got our own desk. We've got everything else. And of course, the other person you hear laughing in the background is Shlok Vadia. Hello. How are you, Shlok? I'm good. Welcome back into the studio. Thank you. Dr. Girlfriend is gone and will return soon. So you're you're back and you you're missed, free. You missed last episode because you were shuttling Doctor Girlfriend around from uh, place to place, job interview to job interview. Exactly, and apartment hunting, which is <clears throat> a delightful experience. And uh, any luck with the uh, the job on the job front with her? Yeah, job front. She's got a couple offers and uh, apartment front. And we have an apartment. You have an apartment in downtown Austin. You're paying almost what I pay for a four bedroom <laughs> house in. About 15 minutes outside of town, you can walk to the new Trader Joe's when it opens. Pretty much, yep. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Very cool. And Very Whole cool Foods. place. And Whole Foods. <laughs> Can't wait for the big uh, party. When's that? Two, three weeks. Okay. Awesome. We'll be there. <laughs> I wasn't this... going to invite you, but now I have to. Now you must. And now <laughs> you must invite all the listeners and David. <laughs> so there's a lot that's been going on this week, of course. And, and the main thing for me... That, that I want to talk about. And of course, the main reason that David is joining us today uh, is, is because of the news that uh, came out, or I think it was Monday, that Yahoo CEO Marissa Mayer has officially banned the company's employees from working from home. We're going to be talking about that and, and telecommuting and especially having David here because 37 Signals is a company that famously has pretty much every single kind of working scenario that you could come up with, right, David? You've got people in-house, you've got people telecommuting, you've got people in other countries, you've got people in other time zones. We do it all. And everything. So who better to talk about it than you and someone with such great and strong opinions? So I thought we would, we would have it there. And I'll play devil's advocate to you because people are saying, well, Dan, you can't have David on and not have somebody who's like super pro working in the, in the office. So I can, I can counter that a little bit. Now, as you know, as the listeners know, this is a call-in show. So we will take calls, and the number to dial is 512-518-5714. Again, 512-518-5714. You can call. We're not screening calls today because we're still getting everything set up. And the one machine that had the Skype account for the thing, it's all set up with the thing. It's still in a box somewhere. So if you're crazy, you're, today's your day because you're going to get right through. That's <laughs> the way it's going to work. So I think I first read this, David, in The Atlantic. And uh, there was an uh, there, I found out about the news earlier, but the first piece I read about this, it's uh, it's a piece by Derek Thompson in The Atlantic. And he says, Marissa Mayer is wrong. Working from home can make you more productive. But for the background, in case people have been living under a rock, she's banned the company's employees from working from home. And there's a I will I will read more from her letter. But this is the the. The most important sentence right here. To become the absolute best place to work, she's talking about Yahoo, communication and collaboration will be important, so we need to be working side by side. That is why it is critical that we are all present in our offices. That's true, right, uh, David? I mean, you can't be productive or create things without being side by side with someone, right? Absolutely impossible. I mean, how Every could you single get, company that happened to uh, can't launch it to make that to make that happen have just been faking it all along. <laughs> Truly, just been sitting in offices somewhere, crammed together, shoulder by shoulder. 
What I find funny about that statement is that um, it starts out with the truism that all great companies need uh, communication and collaboration. Well, duh. Are you <laughs> revealing something insightful here? Of course you're not. Um, what company in the world could consider uh, operating without communication and collaboration? So that's sort of a, a false intro, I think, as in uh, this is going to justify what I say next when it doesn't justify anything. It just describes how the world is. So you start by describing how the world is, that communication and collaboration is important, and then you just proceed to make a proclamation with basically no backing at all, just saying, well, this is true for all companies, but now, by the way, you can't work from home. All great and tacos the two are things are not, The two things are not related. No. Like there, there's not a connection there um, that you can make. Are you going to make the connection that Companies that are working remotely do not do collaboration and communication. I mean, that'd be retarded. Well, here's what, here's what she says. She says, some of the best decisions and insights come from hallway and cafeteria discussions, meeting new people, and impromptu team meetings. Speed and quality are often sacrificed when we work from home. We need to be one Yahoo, and that starts with physically being together. That was absolutely true in... 1985. <laughs> <laughs> right. 1985 when, when you had the, you know, you had yuppies going in suits and ties to work and you would go into an office and you'd stand there by the water cooler and you'd talk and you'd meet. And if you were not in the, in the building, I used to have a boss. This was not in the eighties. This was in the nineties when I was working because I started working in the early mid nineties and I would have, I had a boss who used to say, and he, he said it kind of as a joke, but he absolutely meant it. He would say, if I can't see you, you're not working. This would come up when, and there was one or two people that before he got there had been grandfathered into like they could telecommute three days a week. Oh, he hated that. Oh, he hated when they would telecommute. He, he, they would never get on the good projects. They'd never, nothing. Oh, so why, why? Because the tools that we have now, that makes all the difference. Cause we have Skype now, or we have, I am now, or we have. Uh, we have campfire. I mean, is, are those the, the reasons, base camp, things that you guys have built? Is that why we can do this now? I think that makes it endlessly easier for pretty much anybody to do it. But the funny thing, actually, so no secret, we're writing a, a book about remote work. So this is sort of perfect timing for us. We're just wrapping up the manuscript right now. It's called Remote, Office Not Required. And as part <laughs> of writing that book, I was researching, obviously, a bunch of companies and remote working policies. And what I found was that um, this is actually not that new. Like IBM programmers have been working remotely since the 80s. So it's actually when I say 1985, it's not even apt. Hmm. It's more like, hey, 1955, this was impossible. But already from the 1980s, you had IBM programmers who realized that sitting in a uh, office somewhere was not the place where they were most productive. So they started working from home. Now, that's usually how these things start out, right? That there's some piece of technology, some angle that makes it doable and viable for a small percentage of people to, to start doing something new. The place we are today with the technologies we have today is that this is absolutely viable for most people most of the time. Doesn't mean it's viable for everybody all the time and they're variety of reasons for, for why you would want to do different things and so forth. Yahoo presents nothing or none of those. Um, offers no 
evidence as to why it shouldn't work for them. In fact, I'd say they're the perfect case. And if you look at the particulars of the Yahoo case, which is that the bulk of these remote workers are customer service people, at least as I'm told, uh, mm-hmm. told the story. It seems a little murky, both how many people does this actually affect, what are the roles and so forth. But anyway, let's just go off the, the fact of this being customer service, right? Customer service is basically the prototypical work remote position. It's the easiest one to retrofit even to stodgy old companies um, that otherwise would not be sort of so inclined to have remote workers. This is obvious to anybody who calls shitty companies that have basically just outsourced their customer service. Like, obviously, that was that was possible. They yeah. did a shitty job at it a lot of times, but uh, lots of other companies, of course, do great customer service with remote workers, including 37 Signals, including uh, uh, Southwest Airlines. Um, we have a bunch more examples that, that I can't remember right now, but like this is happening. So if you're going to say this can't work for us, you have to offer at least something. Like, you you got to give us something. Like, why are you so different? What is so different about this situation? And I think the only thing that they've offered up as a excuse as to why remote work can't work at Yahoo is we're fucked. The company is fucked. And we don't know any better. <laughs> well, that, but we don't that... know what else to do. I mean, we don't know who's doing cool stuff. We don't know who's productive. We don't know who's working or when they're working. So the best we can come up with is get your ass to the office so I can see you all the time. Which is actually exactly as you were saying, the, the story with the, with the guy who would like to see anybody was uh, like it's embedded even in our language, direct supervision, as in line of sight, which is such a funny, antiquated notion. Obviously. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the things that I've heard, and I, I forget, I've got a number of articles in the show notes, uh, 5x5.tv slash quit slash 14. But one of the things that I've heard is a reason for this is that they actually want to reduce the number of folks that they have working at Yahoo. They actually want fewer people working there and that this is a way that in at least in uh, Mayor's mind, the important employees are the ones that are already in the offices. They're the ones that are making decisions, perhaps, and that this is an easy way to sort of cut loose all the extra people in there, get rid of the people who are not uh, maybe mandatory anymore and just do it instead of having a reduction in forces. They just say, oh, well, you've got to come in and work. Oh, by the way, there's no office near you. Well, you're going to have to move. And if you don't want to move, then, you know, you can find a new place. I mean, is, maybe this is just a way of cutting heads. I think that would be the worst layoff strategy in the world. <laughs> uh, not... To say also, I think it's basically a third grade conspiracy theory, just because it falls flat on even the slightest of uh, sort of further analysis. Mm. So most importantly, at Yahoo, remote work is already not the predominant work style. Um, the figures I've seen quoted have gone every, anywhere from three to 500 people out of the 11,000 at Yahoo. So let's just say you could somehow scare off all 500, right? Less than 4% of the workforce. Right. What, what's that actually going to do for you? Like, why go through all this just to fire 500 randomly picked people? And obviously, it's, it's pretty random. Are you going to say that every single person who works remotely is the shittiest employee at Yahoo? 
that would be some extraordinary coincidence if that's true. I've already already I've actually already seen a, a couple of people outright mentioned from this. There's some guy, a front end developer named Dan something. I forget his last name, but people were bandying that around as basically saying, "Shit, Dan works from home. If this goes through, we're going to lose Dan." Right. That sounds terrible. So obviously, there are great people at Yahoo who work remotely. And I'm sure there are also a lot of delusioned, demotivated people who work remotely and they do not put in that much work. But is that because of remote work? Of course not. Yahoo is stacked with people like that who just happen to come into the office every day from 9 to 5 and watch YouTube videos for half the time and, and goof off for the other half. Right. Like they, the whole thing is an admission that they don't have a clue who's actually doing the work at Yahoo. And I think even that is a shallow analysis of what's going on. Um, because I think you should look deeper and look at why are they having these problems? Why are people demotivated? Why are they disillusioned? Why do they have the sensation that if they work from home, they don't actually want to put in good work? I think there's a reason for that. And, and if you can't scratch that surface, you're not really much of a leader. Because... The fact is that there's a very good reason for why you would be demotivated and disillusioned if you're a worker at Yahoo. And that is that the company has been sort of searching for an identity for, <laughs> for a decade plus. They've right. been through six CEOs in six years. I mean, obviously, the company is sort of just flailing, sailing around, doesn't really know what it wants to be or where it wants to go or what it wants to do. Is that a motivating rock star environment that people are going to be super excited to jump out of bed to uh, run into and, and work with? Of course it's not. Like You have to fix root causes. I, I look at companies like systems. Um, there are inputs that go into this. It would be a, a very strange circumstance if it just happened to be that Yahoo was the one place that had collected all the 500 remote workers who was just innately, by their nature, completely unmotivated slobs and slackers. <laughs> like, that's just not going to happen. It's not a likely scenario. 500 people is a representative enough sample that that's not going to be. You know, we uh, talk we talk a lot on this show, David, about people who are kind of stuck in what I generally call like a corporate stooge job. This is a job where they are disillusioned. It's very, you know, very, very stuffy. You know, they they go to work and they don't really understand what what they're doing there. They don't really understand what, what's going on or why they're there. They went to college and school and maybe they wound up in a place like this and then they're like, man, I don't, I don't really know how I got here, man. Like I'm here and I'm doing this IT work. I'm doing software development. I'm the only guy in the whole department who knows what's going on here. Nobody understands me. I, I hate my work. I spend 45 minutes driving in the car every morning back and forth. It's the corporate stooge. They're, they're, you know, they're depressed and they don't know what's going on and they want to get out of that and they want to reinvent themselves. And you have to think that what, what mayor is doing is kind of reinforcing and re-implementing all of the things that create that kind of environment, all of the things that lead to, like you were saying that, uh, you know, that, that play making it a not great place to work. If I was working for a company and I had been telecommuting, and who, you know, let's say I was very productive because when I, I worked remotely for many, many years, I worked remotely for several different jobs for years at a time. And I can tell you that as a software developer in those roles, I was far, far, far more productive 
than I ever was as a software or IT developer type person in, in person in a physical office. This, this is a fact. It's not anecdotal. And I think everybody listening to this will probably agree. Now, there's something to be said, and I know you guys do this too, of bring, for bringing everyone together. For bringing everyone together to talk and to communicate and to have time face-to-face to brainstorm and talk and kick off big projects and work together, right? I mean, that's important, right? Absolutely. It's key. And I think that that's part of this debate here is that it's being put up as a false dichotomy. And it's put up as all or nothing. And Yahoo obviously chose nothing. They chose a zero-tolerance policy where everybody will fit into the mold of show up at the office. And people just not like that. There are different people in this world. Uh, even at 37 Signals, we have, what, two-thirds? We're not even in Chicago. Of the so, one yeah, what's the, what's the breakdown? Is, what's, what's your breakdown of people who are there in Chicago in the office, the ones that work remote? So I think we have about 10 people in Chicago that could go to the office. And on any given day, we probably have five or six showing up. And we have 36 people total at 37 signals. So we have some, what is that? In any given day, 30 out of the 36 are likely to be working remotely. Um, But we do come together. I think face-to-face is incredibly important. I've not met any remote worker who doesn't think that's the case. And that's why we're arguing often these caricatures where remote workers are like, you never see your coworkers or you never get together. And it's simply not true. It's funny that this should happen this week, actually, because this is the week where we just brought everybody into um, Chicago. <laughs> we just had the meetup for 37 Signals this entire week. And we were all together, bar two people. So 34 people in the office. Um, just Tap, topping off on social interaction, which we do about two or three times a year. And it's great. It, I love seeing everybody I work with um, a couple of times a year. And then I feel like at the end of that week, which is where we are right now, I'm like, that was fantastic. And I'm really glad we don't have to do that again next week. Because I find it's just such, it's overstimulation, which is, of course, what happens when you don't do something like this all the time, right? But I get really energized about all these things we have to work on coming out of a meetup. And then I think, shit, if we had to all sit in the office again next week, how would we actually get any of the stuff that we're excited about getting done done? It just wouldn't happen. I don't get much done when we have these meetups. I get energized about all the st- things we're going to do. And then when the meetup is done, I... I go back home and sit in front of my computer in my room and make shit happen. And, and I find that just that's a very liberating model. Yeah, I think, I, th- I think, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, obviously it doesn't work for everybody too, right? So we do have people in Chicago who do come to the office every day and, and, and enjoy it. And Jason, for example, comes to the office most days, not from nine to five, but maybe half the day or, or whatever. And, and he enjoys that. Absolutely respect coming to the office, working with coworkers, um, or working with other workers. I mean, with people who just go to a co-working location or something like that. It, it's a very natural feeling to want to see other humans, right? Um, but I, I get that input from, from elsewhere. It so, also helps I'm an introvert, but... <laughs> let, let, me say, let me say I'm a software developer, and I've applied for a job uh, to work with you guys. And you guys said, yeah, you, you seem like a good match, and you hire me. And... 
let's say I don't live in Chicago and I say, you know, I, I really like working in an office. Can I move to Chicago and, and, and come in every day? You would say, sure, of course you can, right? Absolutely. It just happened. We had a guy uh, from Canada, new software developer, lived in Canada, would like to come to Chicago, is going to move to Chicago. It's going to come to the office. Absolutely. We have a nice office. It's a great thing to do if well, that's really what you want to do. Um, it just so happens that the bulk of the people we've hired are very happy living where they live, which is, of course, most people most of the time. And the benefit for us is that we get access to them. Like, if we did not hire remotely, I, I don't even, I can't even imagine how we would build the team that we have. Or I can imagine it wouldn't have happened. We would have built a different team. It would have been a very different company. Right, because this allows you to go after the kind of people who say, you know what, this person's really talented. And this is the kind of person we, we want this specific person working with us. So we're going to just make that happen. We'll hire that person. And oh, by the way, oh, they're in Quebec. That's fine. Or oh, they're in Amsterdam. That's fine. Or oh, they're in Austin, Texas. That's fine. It doesn't really matter to you. So you can go after the kind of talent that you want to get no matter what. Exactly. But that and is also, this is because, and this is what people will get angry about, is because you guys, first of all, you're, you're a very forward-thinking, trend-setting company. Great. You're also a, a software development company for the most part. You build software that people use. And a lot of that software is actually collaboration-style software. It's software that is designed to help people work with other people. And you guys are the perfect model to use your own software, of course. But what about old-school companies? What about companies where having a physical presence to them for some reason, if, if I found, and here's the weird part, and this is what makes people angry, is companies that have come out of that 80s, 90s mentality of if I can't see you, you're not working. It, it is very hard to shake that feeling and that philosophy of we all need to be sitting here looking at each other. Marissa Mayer, the reason we're not successful in the way that we're going to be more successful is by getting everybody all together in one room. And it's going to be that feeling that, that uh, the, those 37 signals guys have whenever they have their meetup. We're going to have that every day, David, every single day, the synergy, the two hands interconnecting. We have it every single – we're going to end the day with it. Start the day with a cheer and end the day with a hug and all of us are going to be one Yahoo. And the reason why we're not successful or one of the reasons is because we haven't had that feeling every single day. Right. And I mean, is that, is that uh, that's, did she really think that this is a smart woman? She's I very smart. I, habits die and form incredibly hard. I've talked to lots of really smart people who've just, that's just how they've been working. And they have a very hard time seeing that you could work a different way. And I understand that. I mean, until I started with open source development and working for 37 Signals, I worked in an office all the time. I didn't even contemplate that there was even an option when I started working back in what uh, mid nineties yeah. for, for software companies. And it was sort of like you just get you get used to what you, you you do, and it's natural to sort of feel that that's part of it, and especially to overemphasize the positive effects of it. Because obviously, if you get into an office every day and you like your co-workers, it's very hard to imagine not seeing them every day and that it would be a loss. And of course there would be. Nothing is a perfect sort of non-trade-off situation like that. Of, of course, it's going to involve some trade-offs. The important part is 
to realize that you get more back than you that you give up. And that's just a hard thing to imagine if you're just used to this in the office all the time mentality. Um, and I think it, it's not even actually about stodgy companies because as during the research for the, the book we've been writing, we've been finding tons of companies who are very sort of quote unquote stodgy. Accenture, Deloitte, IBM, Perkins Coie, uh, American Fidelity Assurance, right. <laughs> uh, Southwest Airlines, all of these Damn. companies that are very old, stodgy, Fortune 100 companies that love remote work. So it's not really about that because at the same time, I've talked to tons of technology companies. Um, just meeting with another technology company yesterday, we tell them about remote work and they're like, oh, fascinating. Like as though it's a oh, foreign like it's a new species. Thing. Exactly. Like, I mean, geez, IBM has been doing this since 1980. We've been talking about this for so long. And, and that's really what prompted me to get interested in this and to me to want to write the book about it is because I absolutely take it for granted at this point, right? And, and you have a tendency to just talk to people who are like you and then you just, this is how everybody works, right? Like everybody has obviously realized that if you can hire amazing workers who just happen not to be in the same city as you, you would do that, of course, right? And then you talk to the majority of the world and they say, what? No. Of course not. I mean, you need to be in the office. How else would you collaborate? And what, what's really interested, interesting to me is just how little thought most people have given this, how ready they are to accept just their first gut instincts about why this wouldn't work. Jason has this, uh, or had this wonderful blog post uh, a couple of months back saying, give it five minutes. I found that most people have not given remote work five minutes in terms of really thinking about mm. whether this could help them, make them happier. Um, but then the funny thing is, you only have to dive into just a handful of the amazing benefits you get from remote work. And people all nod their heads and like, oh yeah, <laughs> you don't have to commute for an hour? Right. Like, what? That would be amazing. Wait a minute, I can, I can eat lunch with my kid and my wife every day? Oh, that sounds great. Uh, we can hire just great people regardless of where they are. Jeez, that's amazing. We don't have to say goodbye to John because he has to move uh, with his wife to Phoenix. Um, fantastic. Like, there's just so many benefits and advantages that I feel people haven't really thought through. They've just thought through those, that initial handful of drawbacks. which It's all real. Mm -hmm. It's not that those things do not exist. It's just that you look at the whole picture and then you say, wait a minute, this makes a lot of sense. Why aren't most people working like this? Uh, and then you see things like this Yahoo thing, right? And you're like, geez, you would have thought that they, anybody would have known better. Um, and, and I think that's why it's sort of a, a big deal, right? Because it's not like Yahoo's the first company in the world not to have a remote working policy they're, they're new in having had a remote policy and then revoking it. Like that's, a, that's an odd one out. Yeah. That's a man by dog because that's usually not how it happens. It usually happens that somebody doesn't have a remote working policy and then, then they get one and everybody's like, shit, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Why didn't we do this sooner? But this is just it, it, what's striking, and we got we to do a sponsor break here in a second, but what's striking to me is that every single place that 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 seems to understand what's going on 
they're changing their philosophy and they're saying, you know what, we need to try telecommuting. We need to try remote working. We need to focus on this kind of thing. We haven't been doing that or we've tried a little bit and now we need, because that, because the talent that we want for this job is in this city or this state or this person here and they don't want to move. And you know what? We shouldn't make them move to do this job. It doesn't even make sense to make them move. So let's and I've, so I've got, a, I've got a quote from Sir Richard Branson, a virgin. But I, before we do that, I want to, Hattie, you can, can you do the first sponsor I for can. us? Thank you. Uh, our first sponsor today is Shutterstock.com, where you'll find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. You can start your search today at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock gives you a global image collection to find images from across the world to suit your project. And I know that you're going to find what you need because they upload 10,000 new images every single day. You can choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. You can choose whatever fits your need and you'll never have to compromise. And they don't nickel and dime you or charge you extra for large files. Just download any image in any size and pay only one price. Uh, You can easily curate and share pictures via Lightboxes. Uh, You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own Lightbox gallery as you search. You can also use their iPad app to do that, too. Um, Where do they go for this? They go to Shutterstock.com, and you can – there's no credit card required to sign up. You create a free browse account is what it's called. Uh, And if you find the images that you really like and you decide to purchase, just use the offer code DANSENTME2. And you'll get 30% off of any package that you put together over at Shutterstock.com. Thank you very much, Hattie. So Shutterstock.com, Dan sent me two, 30% off, not a bad deal. Sir Richard Branson. This, this article, again, is in the show notes, 5x5.tv slash quit slash 14. Give people the freedom of where to work. To successfully work with other people, you have to trust each other. This is Sir Richard Branson. A big part of this is trusting people to get their work done wherever they are without supervision. It is the art of delegation, which has served Version and many other companies well over the years. We like to give people the freedom to work where they want, safe in the knowledge that they have the drive and expertise to perform excellently, whether they're at their desk or in their kitchen. Yours truly has never worked out of an office and never will. So it was perplexing to see Yahoo CEO Marissa Mayer tell employees who work remotely to relocate to company facilities. This seems a backward step in an age where remote working is easier and more effective than ever. If you provide the right technology to keep in touch, maintain regular communication, and get the right balance between remote and office working, people will be motivated to work responsibly, quickly, and with high quality. This is the last uh, sentence. It's probably the most important one. Working life isn't nine to five anymore. The world is connected Companies that do not embrace this are missing a trick. What a statement there. And this is from a guy who knows a thing or two about running companies. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's shocking to see somebody, you know, because it wouldn't, he seems like a pretty cool dude. I mean, he jumps out of planes and stuff. But what a statement coming from someone who's, you know, it, it's fine for me to say, ah, you're a corporate stooge, you're working in an office every day under fluorescent lights and blah, blah, blah. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing, Shlok, because I know you spent your time in offices, a lot of time in offices. No, a little bit. A little I mean, bit. Last year, I worked from home. So you worked from home. You gained a lot of weight. You lost <laughs> it. You look good now. Thank You're you. handsome. But before that, he was he was work. You worked from home. You worked for yourself. You're your own writer. You wrote for yourself. Yep. 
And then you came out of that. And now you, you're sort of a, a nomad, a wanderer. But you're going back into an office again, aren't you? Yeah. You're about to open up a brand new office, aren't you? Right. How do you feel about that? It's, for me, it's, it's, you know, a minute ago we were talking about the caricatures that there's, um, it's all or nothing. And for me, it's, it's the choice, right? There's, there's some days when I'm okay with a commute. I want to go to an office. I want to see some folks, get out of my house, put on a suit, whatever. Um, but then there's other days when I don't want to do that. I'm too busy. I got stuff to do. And not having the choice is the, the part that's almost personally offensive that's to me. That's the Yahoo. key, isn't it? It's having the choice. Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, because what they're doing is essentially damning their, their team towards, you know, a two-hour commute and spending a whole bunch of money living in San Francisco or New York or wherever versus, you know, their homes where their children and wives are. And I should have that choice. I'm an adult. Like, you want me to do the job? Give me a manager who knows the information I'm processing um, and, and can share that with you up the chain. You don't need to see me in an office. And, and that's really the thing, and I think we alluded to this earlier, is that this is a, this is a feeble, pathetic attempt to access the information of who's being productive and how. And that's something that you don't have to have, like, the foot soldiers come in <laughs> every morning after right. fighting through, you know, like, <laughs> three-hour commute or whatever. Um, you just need to have managers who are adults and can do their jobs. And the fact that she can't correct that problem to where people want to come into the office is, I think, the most telling part of this. I mean, that's the right way to do it. Create an office that people want to come into, they'll come into it. Don't, and you're going to be, you're, you're forcing them into a factory. I mean, I would like to work in uh, David's office. It's cool. I haven't been there personally, but the pictures looks great. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of office, I'm, and that's the kind of office I'm trying to create here. Now, why am I, we just opened this new office, Shlok. Yeah. We just opened it up. Why did I do that? Well, I'm in, I run one of those businesses that in more cases than not requires physically being in a location. Now, it's not so much that we need to physically be together necessarily. It's that there, there's work to be done that involves physical things like, like, you know, microphones and people coming to, now we do a lot of shows where it's me in a room by myself and the other host in another room by themselves in another part of the country. We do this all with Skype and I've detailed, I'm not going to detail the setup in this show because I've done it many other times and it's out of context. But the point is when you listen to me and Merlin or me and Jim Dalrymple or, you know, Mike and Katie on Mac power users or whatever the shows are that you're listening to that you like on most of these uh, networks, people are not physically together. They're over Skype. We have, I've thrown as much money as I possibly can uh, to the point where I got the quality of these shows and everything to sound as good as I possibly can make them sound. In many cases, people have been shocked to find out, and I, I, I love hearing this. They've been shocked to find out that we're not people. I thought you guys were in the same room all this time. <laughs> 20 episodes in, I thought you guys were always in now. Shlok and Hattie are in this room with me right now. Yep, right here. <laughs> far as I can tell. Maybe we're not here, but... <laughs> David is in Chicago, and yet he's still quite active in the show. There's so many things that we can do to make that kind of thing happen, but there's nothing... I, I mean, I want to be clear about something. It, it's it's like what David's been saying and what, and what Shlok, what you just said, is that you can make an office that becomes a fun place to go, that becomes... A, like right outside of this room, 
Mm-hmm. We've got a large space set up. We've got a big couch. We've got a big TV. And what what were we doing while we were assembling IKEA furniture and moving stuff around? We were watching that uh, that Batman movie. Last night while we were assembling IKEA furniture, we had Looper playing. You know, we've got we've got fun things to do in this place, and hopefully, it's a place that people come not just to work but to hang out. And and it's fun. It's enjoyable environment. And yeah, I mean, there, there is a great benefit, especially when you're doing this particular kind of communication where you're doing a show where it makes a lot of sense to say, yeah, we are in the same physical place. We can look at each other while we're having that conversation, but we're not talking about developing software. We're not talking about writing. We're not talking about doing engineering work. We're not talking about doing research work or preparing a brief or getting ready to speak in court. Most of those jobs that we think of, David, as intellectual jobs, I hate to use that word, but you know what I mean. Most of those jobs have a large aspect of getting in that zone, getting in the zone. You've talked a lot about the zone, the creativity zone. Absolutely. And it was as Slok just said, I don't want to go into the office if I have stuff to do. Right. (laughs) I think that it doesn't get more explicit than that. The office is not a great place to get stuff done. And that's exactly how I treat the office. I only go into the office if I don't have stuff to do. I only go into the office if I just want to talk to Jason or see some people or hang out. Uh, the whole reason why we had this meetup this week was, was not to get stuff done. It was to talk to people and hang out, which is great. It, it, it's, it's good. But it's certainly not about productivity. Certainly not about right. we can get a ton more stuff done if we were all in the office. In fact, the opposite is true. One of the... Most uh, watched talks that anybody for 37 Signals have ever given was uh, Jason Fried talking at TED uh, about why work doesn't happen at work. And I think most people can relate to this. They just don't put the pieces together necessarily. It's as Slug says. It's, it's, it's sort of an instinctual thing. You know that, oh, man, I can't go to the office today. I have so much work to do. Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> the work is – the office is not about the work. Anyway, I think that the core – issue here is really what um, Branson was talking about. It's yeah. trust. trust, And Yahoo doesn't have it. And I think it would behoove them to be more explicit about this point. Because when they're dancing around it like this, it just becomes even more circumspect. What Jackie, the HR head, she just said is, Marissa, don't trust you. <laughs> if she can't see you, you're not working. She, she just doesn't trust you. Yeah. She doesn't trust that you can get stuff done from home. She she doesn't trust the reasons for why you're leaving the parking lot at five. I saw that was one of the other things that was brought up, right? That that Marissa was dismayed, no pun intended, yeah. that she would come in in the morning and, and the parking lot would be so slow to fill up. And then at 5 p.m., boom, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Again, it's because... You don't have a great company. You don't, you don't motivate people to stay and do more stuff. The funny thing, actually, when it comes to remote work, there's been a couple of studies on this, and they all say people end up working more. They, they actually invest more hours into the work, not less, when they work from home. And why is that? It, it, it goes back to the other things you guys are saying. I like to have the choice. I don't like to be told that this is how you get work done productively. That's a very paternalistic approach to management. And most people 
certainly knowledge workers, I think anybody actually, don't like that sort of micromanagement no, of being told what to do. Or like, how to do it. Or it, even, or actually, even yes, how to do it. Or even when to do it. I remember a friend of mine back in the, in the days when I used to work for that big telecommunications company. One of the things that he and I always used to talk about, and he used to say this almost every day, damn near every day. He'd say, I really wish I lived in a world and worked for a company where I was rewarded for the accomplishments and the things that I was able to achieve through, he was a software developer, through writing code and not through the amount of time that it required me or the physical location that I had when I was accomplishing these things. In other words, give me a project, I will get it done on or before the date that you needed. It. it will be as good or better as what you've asked for. Reward me for that. It doesn't matter if I do it the night before or if it takes me two weeks to do it or if it takes me two months to do it or what. That, that kind of philosophy is, is more or less what we have today in forward-thinking companies. I can only imagine that there's a lot of people listening to this show right now who are saying, well, that's why I'll never work for a big company. That's why I'll never work for a company that requires me to go into an office. I'm happy here sitting in my bathrobe, you know, writing, writing code on, you know, on my laptop and uh, on my balcony, you know, smoking a cigar. This is how I like to write code. Well, good for you. But there, most people are not in your situation. Well, then they're not being aggressive enough and they should go find a better company. Well, maybe they can't. Maybe they're stuck in their job. Maybe they have a responsibility. Maybe they've got a family to support. Maybe they can't just quit their job and go find something new somewhere else in another town. And they're stuck. So, of course, they care about this because this sets a precedent. Because what Marissa Mayer says is going to be heard by CEOs everywhere. They're going to hear this and they're going to say, huh, I knew that telecommuting thing was a bad idea. That's what screwed up Yahoo. Am I wrong, Shlok? Of course they're going to listen to this. Of course. They want you to come in. They want you to put on a suit while they're you in, do it. They're yeah. in at the office. Because they don't have real jobs, right? But anyway, so those guys are in there, they're in their suits, and they want you in there in your suit doing suit things that they can make sure you're doing. What, you wrote 40 lines of code today? I don't care what it does. You wrote 40. I need 50. Like, that's a certain philosophy to management that you don't really see in the in the tech world a lot. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're saying, right? You see this in Deloitte. You see this in other places, which, I mean, maybe when I read the book, I'm a little bit wrong. But you see this in those older companies, we were supposed to be the generation or the, 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 you know, those scions of telecommunication and like, well, you can work wherever you want and you can do amazing things and it takes you a laptop and like an electrical connection. Yeah. And for me, the goofiest part is Yahoo's an internet company that's scared of the internet. Right. Like, <laughs> yes. Thank you. I mean, that's just like, what, what are you guys doing? You, you, you missed every boat in the last 15 years. Like yeah. you had an IPO in 96 or whatever. You got lucky. But Maybe embrace the fact you're on the internet. Maybe you're not an ad network. Maybe you're not a publishing portal. Anyway, that's just, yeah. Yahoo annoys me. You're getting upset. I am, a little bit. David, I, we've got people on hold for a while. I want, to take, uh, I want to take a couple of these calls. You ready to talk to these jackals? Absolutely. All right, let's see, yep. who, the, see who this is. All right, see, we don't have anyone screening the, the calls today, so um, seven, area code 727, you're on. That's me. I'm Evan in Virginia. Hey, how are you? Virginia. Uh, I called up. I'm a software engineer at a big multinational firm. I write um, flight control software. And That's important stuff, man. You got to get that. Job. You got to get that right. You should go into an office. Yeah. 
No, I'm not exactly a corporate stooge, but you know, there are a lot of us there and I'm just a junior engineer, but it's the sort of position that um, there's a lot of opportunities. So I stuck with it. I could work my way up the corporate stooge chain and so on. Um, so my question is more, I have an interest in doing my own independent software development. Like if I wanted to write iOS apps or something like that and, you know, kind of control my own future. And so really what I'm curious of is, you know, right now I have a career, uh, you know, I have a, a pretty secure job, uh, you know, I get a paycheck and I, you know, I certainly can't quit it at the moment because, you know, like I don't have a lot of money saved up, um, and so on. But, um, in my spare time, like I took this, this week off, I had a bunch of vacations saved up. So I took a week off and I've just been working on writing my own software in my spare time. And so, you know, maybe eventually I could build up and get, you know, some apps that start selling and bringing in income that way and leave. And so my question is really, what's my strategy? Like, do I say I have a good job? I should put all my effort into that. Um, keep working the long hours when they come up. Um, you know, we have big projects and deadlines and stuff. Or do I try to do what it takes to succeed at my job and carve out as much time as I can in my free time and sort of build my own business that way. This is something that this is something we've talked about a lot. Is that, was that you? <laughs> uh, this is something we've talked about a lot on, on, on this show is, is it possible? And David, this is a topic I'd like to, to talk to you about a little bit. Maybe this call is a good kind of segue into it. I don't want to get too far off the, the Yahoo thing, but I often say, David, that it's, it's not possible to have a side business and a full-time job and be very successful at both of them. And what I define, let me be clear about what I mean by successful, because I think this is the question that for, uh, Mr. Virginia here is asking. Yeah. Can, can I start up and run yeah. a company, a business? Can I get something going that's not, oh, I made a neat little iOS app and I got it in the store, but build a real business while I'm full-time? Because of what I say, David, before you answer, what I say is you will, you will get to a point where you need to make a choice between that job and between your own business, because if you don't, both of them will start to suffer and you will not be truly successful with either one of them after that point. So David, what do you, what do you think about that? Maybe we can parlay that into an answer for uh, Mr. Virginia here. Sure. First of all, that's our story. That's my story. Uh, I started Basecamp, which is our business uh, by any practical means today yeah. as a side project. 37 Signals started it as a side project. 37 Signals was a web design company, and I was a contractor and a student. And Basecamp was what we did on the side. And that posed a bunch of constraints on the development. I had 400 hours, billable hours, into Basecamp, the first version that we released. And I know this because I was billing Jason at the time for $15 an hour. <laughs> so I, I, I tracked this carefully. And what happened was that Absolutely, we could build this on the side. It forced us to make something much simpler than we would otherwise have built. And then what happened was a year after we had released it, it started making enough money that we could fire our clients and take it full time. And that whole transition happened in a very risk-free manner. I really hate it when people keep talking about entrepreneurship as this mega risk thing. Oh, you got to risk everything. You got to quit your job tomorrow. You got to 
borrow a lot of money and you got to get a second mortgage and and like it was just before everything was about to go to shit and I was about to get thrown in jail that boom it just worked and we took <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean that makes a great story, doesn't it? Our story is just so mundane in comparison. We were like, hey, this base camp thing, we'd like it for ourselves. Let's let's treat it as as one of the clients that we have such that we do not risk everything, such that we still draw a salary and we don't have to remortgage the house or give up our education or whatever else. And, and then if it takes off, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to go for. Um, and this was back in 2003 where it was even harder to do all these things. I mean, it's never been cheaper, easier, more productive to write and distribute and sell software than it is today. So if we could do it in 2003... Um, sure as hell people can do it in 2013. Again, there will be a point where you have to choose. Uh, our approach to this was wait to choose until it's a no-risk or very low-risk operation. If you quit your job tomorrow and you don't have a whole lot of money saved up and you sort of like, quote-unquote, risk it all, you have a pretty damn good chance of failing. I thought entrepreneurship was about eliminating risk I mean, and increasing upside. And sort of, you can only do that by taking a measured approach to it. So I think you're absolutely right. Well, I, I say the other thing. So sort of as a sideways story, yeah. one of the things I'm most proud about, about my academic record, both in high school and in college, was how I, I took it as a challenge. How good of a grade can I get with absolute minimum amount of work. <laughs> and sometimes I'd look at it and say, if I can get a B minus putting in 2% of the effort, that's a huge success. Yeah, That's like getting a triple A plus, plus, plus for me, right? If you could do the same thing with your job, can you put in a B minus effort with, let's say, 60% of the effort that it would take to get you an A plus uh, at your job? You're probably doing good enough. I don't know how strict your company is about uh, performance reviews and so on, but most companies, as evidenced by Yahoo, are absolutely clueless as to who actually does anything in the company, how productive people actually are. So you can check out somewhat or decrease your mental capacity. This, this by the way, is, is why companies hate you, David, because <laughs> no company wants to think that its employees are putting in, you know, a B minus. I don't want to think. I don't want my employees to put in B minus effort. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that they are. I think it, they're. It, I, don't run a shitty company. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is really that simple. You wouldn't be looking for a new job in the first place if your current position was the greatest job ever, and you really loved it, and this was just a fantastic company that really you felt like was answering to all your needs and so on. It just wouldn't happen. The reason why you're looking for something else is exactly because the company is not. All that great. So what do you owe them? If the company is giving you a, a B minus environment, you owe them a B minus effort. That's my position at least. Um, sure as hell, any employment I've had, if the company gave me a B minus or a C class experience and work environment, I felt like a freaking fool whenever I put in A plus effort. Yeah. Because it felt like a waste. Yeah, what am I doing that for? Exactly. Like this is... Um, this is a trade here. If you're a great company to work for, and I feel like my 
concerns are heard and I'm working on interesting stuff and you don't do boneheaded things like kick out all my good coworkers just because they happen to work from home, mm-hmm. then I'll give you a lot. I'll give you everything. That That's how, that's how it was with There's Heavy Signals for me. It, it sure doesn't was, instill a lot of confidence in me in, in wanting to stick around in that company. It doesn't make not. me feel like, oh, you know, well, uh, all these people that I've been working with for years whose jobs were, you know, seemed secure and they were working fun way. And maybe my goal was to, you know, I'm, I, there, I'm sure that there are a lot and there, there are many articles that I read online who, who were writing. They were women who were saying this is also bad for us because, you know what, I would have loved to have uh, worked from home through my pregnancy or in the early uh, years of my kid. And th- there's dads who would have written this, too. I would have said, that. yeah. Who I, I, I'm said, a new dad three, three months into it. Well, and yeah, that's right. Congratulations. It's amazing to be there and experience all that. If I had to be in an office that, I don't know, when people go to offices, 830 <laughs> or whatever it is, nine, and then you, you add an hour commute on top of that both ways, and I don't know, you stay an hour after something, when the hell would I see my kid? I mean, it just, that was not appealing to me at all. So, I think that's absolutely, absolutely spot on. So I, I think a, as an employee, you owe your place of work the same effort as they're putting into you. That's my take on it. So I don't know. You, you, obviously, you have to judge that for yourself. What, what kind of work environment is your boss or company providing you with? Give them equal amounts in return. And if there's anything left over, invest that in new and better, greener pastures. Yeah. So does, so does that help you at all, Mr. Virginia? Does that help you in any way? Yeah. It, um, I mean, listen, here's, what, I, really here's what I'm going to tell you. Here, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Listen, hang on. Listen, relax. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Guys, calm down over there. They're banging the microphone. <laughs> here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Keep, keep, stay at your job. Do the B minus effort like David says. Build up your business until you think, you know, do you have kids? What is that cat meowing in the background? No. What's going on? What is that? <laughs> I've been sitting here on hold, and then all of a sudden, when we got picked up, my cat decided he wanted attention. So he's Why do you have a cat meowing. on your lap while you're trying? All right. <laughs> I know. He's following me. He's up on a bookshelf. Shut him howling. into a different room. <laughs> We're trying to do a show here. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. What's more important, your future or this cat? Don't you? So here's what I want you to do. Seriously, put the cat into the room. Uh, he is the left in the bedroom. All right. This is the thing. You could, you've got to be able to start this business, put in the B minus effort, like David is saying. Put in the B minus effort. Get this thing up and running to the point. Because the last thing you want to do is quit and wind up being like, oh, I thought this was going to, like I thought I had to put in full time. If all you have is this cat to worry about, then do what do what Gary Vaynerchuk says, and that is from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. every night and all weekend long, that's your time to be working on this stuff. And you know what? It's going to suck, and you're going to be really tired, and it's not going to be your best work, but you're still going to get it done because you're going to be enthusiastic about it and because you want to make a change and because you want to move towards something. Okay, so this is what you're going to do is you're going to start this thing up, you're going to get it running, and you're going to see if you can do it with B minus effort at work and and the most effort you can muster for your own thing. And if after you do that and you launch something and you get it out there and it becomes successful, you can you can look to David's company as an example and say, wow, they were doing client work. They came out with this thing that they built on the side that 
they realized could be a cool product. And guess what? They stopped doing client work and they started focusing on this thing that became their whole business. And now look at them. Well, you can do that. So do that and keep that cat out. Keep the cat out. (laughs) All right. Thanks for your, that's all right. Thanks for your call. Thanks for your call. Thank you very much. Oh, David, I don't know what he was doing with that cat. The whole time that thing's crying in the background. He was in Virginia, you say? Yeah, they have lots of cats there. Lots of cats there. David, I know that uh, your time is limited. Can you stick around for a little bit longer? Sure. You know, one of the things that I've talked about a lot and and that that you just told your story about, and we get a lot of calls very similar to that last caller, very similar to that last caller, where they're saying, man, I, I sure do want to start something new. I really, really want to get something going. And I feel like I need to, like you were saying, I need to, to make that, I need to make that jump. I need to take that risk. I need to do something totally different and jump totally outside of the box, quit my job and focus a hundred percent. That is such an old school, like talk about old school mentality. That's well, like, oh, I want to open a business and I'm going to go to a bank and get a loan. Like that's almost no one does that. Maybe if you're, maybe if you're opening up like a fast food restaurant and you want to get a franchise. Like that's the only kind of situation that I can imagine you go to a like a bank to get a loan to start a business anymore. Well, I, I'm going to be a little harsher, yeah. But I also think that that is um, that lovely fantasy. If you can make starting a business such a scary thing that you can invent all these excuses for why you don't have to do that right now, you can feel good about yourself. You're like. Yeah, man, I, I'd love to start this new business, but I just can't do it because I have all these obligations, I have all these other things, and and I would have to quit my job, I'd have to take a loan, I'd have to do all these other things. If you can convince yourself that all that stuff is needed, then you don't actually have to get up the couch. Then you can just watch, As a, I had a blog post a couple of years ago, watch Lost all night, right? Like if you just didn't watch TV, how much time you would get back. The average American watches five hours of TV every day day wow five hours <laughs> every day seven days that's a full work week oh my god available right there for you to invest <laughs> into something else and even if you don't watch five hours if you just took two hours three hours i don't know what people what a reasonable amount of tv to watch is but i hell i sometimes watch just two or three hours of tv like great shows catch two or three and i'm watching house of cards right now you Totally keep that thing running. but <laughs> so, so that's very easy, right? That's very comforting. Uh, but taking and being conscious about, well, I could actually start something just with two or three hours a night, four hours a night, whatever it is, right? When we were doing base game, I was investing 10 hours a week. That, that was the budget I had, right? 10 hours a week? That's not even two hours a day. And we built base camp off that. Wow. So. What the fuck is your excuse? <laughs> and you I know, think that's, that that's so that's true. It. People, it's, it's very comforting to think of yourself as, oh, I would have been an entrepreneur if it just wasn't because of, right? You, you sort of convince yourself that there's all these reasons for why you couldn't do it. Like you'd love to, but I can't do it. And that's too bad. I think uh, getting honest with yourself about who you are and what you want to do is step one. If you can't be honest with yourself and can't tell yourself that, well, I'm probably inventing all these excuses and it's time to give them up, then you're not going to get anywhere. Okay, let's do a couple more calls and then we can uh, 
call it a day here because I know you got to go. You got your time. Before we do that, I've got to do a quick sponsor. Hattie, you're waving at me like crazy. What's wrong? Well, I thought you weren't paying attention to me. <laughs> you want like, me to do the sponsor? No, I was saying I was going to do the sponsor. I didn't know if you were. No, I'll do it. Are you sure? Yeah, these guys, they make me do it. They want me to do it. They love they love you to do it? It's my voice. <laughs> it is. Second sponsor today, it's Ting. Mobile that makes sense. Ting is a mobile service. They're a reseller with Sprint, basically. But they do it in a completely different way. They're very different. First off, they're truly and completely contract-free. There's no termina- early termination fees. There's nothing. So you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about that. They give you the choice to create the kind of plan that you want. You want voice minutes? You want a lot of voice minutes? That's fine. You want text messages? You want megabytes of data? They're all billed separately. They're not part of a certain plan. Oh, you want this? You got to get this. No. It's very straightforward. You, some people don't want any voice minutes at all, or they only want a few. They're all billed separately, and you don't get penalties or overage charges or anything like that if you use more than you thought you would. You just pay for what you used. And if you use less, Ting just drops you down to the next level. And they credit you the difference on your next bill. Sounds great, right? But of course, they have all the basic stuff, voicemail, caller ID. They got tethering, hotspot, three-way calling, call forwarding, all the stuff that you would expect. They have all that. You never see any like mysterious line items on your bill. They just charge you for what you use, and then they're required to collect taxes. And they explain what those are, and that's it. There's no hidden charges and no recovery fees, none of that stuff. And if you want to add another device, it's only six bucks per month. And everything that you want to do with your bill is on their online control panel. It's all very straightforward. If you need help, you can call between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. And a human being picks up the phone right away and they talk to you. So you can go to 5x5.ting.com. You get 25 bucks off your first device or $25 service credit because you can bring your own device if you're like on Sprint and you want to get off that. So go check these guys out. Special URL, support the show, 5x5.ting.com. Check it out. All right, let's do, David, do you have time for maybe a couple more quick calls? Absolutely. I know you got to go. Well, I, I don't actually got to go. Okay. So then we, we have can to, run as long, as long as you want. All right, we'll do a few more calls. Let's get this one again. Usually we have a call screening. Thinks that, what is that? We're about to get punked. What is that? Do you hear that? That's the space toad from Futurama. It is. How cool is that? I feel hypnotized a little bit. It's time to go to sleep now. Yeah. Did I just do drugs? <laughs> I don't know what just happened. I don't know what happened. How many? Oh, four hours went by just now. <laughs> All right. Okay, 415, who's this? Hi, this is Kitty. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really good today. How are you guys? Good. What are you calling about? We got David here. I know, David. I just want to say that I just uh, picked up Rework and I'm enjoying it. Not that far in, but enjoying it. Thank you. You'll be uh, done an hour after this call, I think. It's not a very long book. (laughs) That's a key feature. (laughs) So here he is. What questions do you have for him? I mean, he's here. He's hanging out. Um, Well, uh, I I think you're all in a position to to answer this question. I... uh, I wrote an email to you. You can read it just gushing about how much I love you guys. So I won't take up the time on the air saying that, but I do. Um, you sent it to me or to him? I have a hobby. I sent it to you, Dan, via 5 by 5 but you can read it to him. Okay. You're, and your kitty? Is it from you, kitty? Kitty. K-I-T-T-I-E? Yeah. That's me. 
Oh, I see you in here. Okay, can I can I okay. read that? You want me to read it? Let me read it. Hattie, you're going to like do. this too. You're going to like this too because it's addressed to you also. <gasps> Yay. Hi, Dan and Hattie. I'm a devoted female listener. Please add me to your growing ranks. I'm proud of my 5x5 five five fandoms. I like her already. Yep, me too. <laughs> Thank you for all that you do. I commute one. Oh, she's a stooge. I commute 1.5 hours every day, five days a week, and the 5x5 network gives me a reason to look forward to my drive. Equal parts, alone time, therapy, laughter, and inspiration. Though I listen to many of your shows, Quit is my go-to for feeling brave about the future. I work as a sysadmin for a nonprofit. Can I read this on the air? She said fine. Okay, so for for a nonprofit in the San Francisco Bay Area and thought Dan would define me as a corporate stooge, I love my job. I am, however, working to grow my hobby into a new career for myself. Makers got to make. See, Hattie, I tell you, makers make things. Makers make things. Here's my question. Same, similar question. Should I wait and build up a good-sized inventory before taking my creative work to an online marketplace? She's thinking about Etsy, isn't she? (laughs) Or should I start my small shop and grow it in real time? I feel like not deciding one way or the other is holding me back, and I'd really like to be a junior sponsor soon. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. So tell me what you think. Anywho, thanks for reading. I super duper hope to hear from you soon. I love you guys this much. Okay. So what are you talking about? What do you make, first of all? I'm a jewelry designer. Okay. So you're going to go, you're thinking, should I start putting this stuff together and, and, and build it and have a whole inventory set up on, and then you're thinking about Etsy, right? No, I would definitely go with Squarespace. Oh, because they have their new they have their new product support uh, product uh, e commerce solution now. Commerce. Right? Yeah, if if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it all the way for myself and and not worry about a, a third party, not like a big third party. Squarespace is good, but Etsy's Etsy's too big; they're a little too crazy. Yeah. So you're going to go out there. You're going to build a site. You're going to sell it yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're wondering if you should what build up an inventory of stuff. So that you can go out there and go big because you think this is going to go so big and going to sell so much that you might get stuck with nothing. And then what are you going to do? It's a valid concern. Yeah. Shlok, what do you think? Uh, this is pretty This is pretty straightforward. Because um, you could just see he's, he's star- he starts staring. When he, when he puts <laughs> his phone down and stops texting Dr. Girlfriend, you know he's got an answer ready to go. Yeah, so so there's two, two parts to this. One, you want to build one of whatever you want to um, create and take a picture of it, a great picture of it, like a phenomenal, well-lit, beautiful picture of it. Um, and, and you want to put it up, and that's it. You don't have to create inventory until somebody actually buys it. Um, if you And it's going to become very clear very quickly um, which units uh, are actually going to sell. And then you stop selling the other ones. Um, there's a book called, uh, what is it, Four Hour Work Week um, by a guy named Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. And he kind of covers this in some depth. And he even says that you can create stuff or you can mock up stuff that uh, you don't have ready to roll yet, but you do put the picture up and you get people to the point where they have to put in their credit card and then you pretend there's a bug in your system. Um, and that tells you the kind of demand you have for each one of these um, different kinds of things. So I'm not saying lie to your customers, but there's there's good ways to track what the demand is, and then you don't have to invest in a bunch of inventory up front. You just create a few things, sell them great, market them great, and then um, and then start shipping orders. I like it. Thank you. 
Okay, Kitty, do you feel good about that? I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with Shalok for this this one time. This this one time. (laughs) Just once. It's one of those wonderful things that seems very obvious when someone else says it to you. (laughs) So, um, David, anything to add for Kitty? Because she's a big fan of yours. I think maybe. Can you also change your situation as it is right now? You say you you work as an admin uh, and have a super duper long commute. Does the admin work actually include physical moving stuff around? Or you're pushing emails around all day. I it's, Which, it's a I mean, little above. Um, I stopped wearing. I, I stopped. Uh, I stopped dressing up fancy like Dan. So I spend too much time crawling around with cables and stuff. But <laughs> I do some desk time as well. I mean, I think where where David's going. Tell tell me if I'm wrong. Is you know, is it possible for you? Is it possible for you to work part time? In the office and part-time at home, could you go in instead of going in five days a week? Could you go in three days a week? I do have some flexibility, either keeping an eye on – if I have to commute down, I have flexibility to keep an eye on other things going on. And I, I have flexibility during some other weeks. Yeah, it's, it's not super rigid. I would take that opportunity and run with it as far as you can then. Because if you can save an hour and a half every – day you're not going into the office isn't that a piece of jewelry basically made like mm-hmm. i don't know how long these things take to to make but getting an extra hour and a half is a pretty big deal so you can take that time and then invest it in something else and it might as well be that your company they don't really care as long as the work is getting done as, as long as everything is taken care of they're happy so i i just feel sometimes people take a, a certain situation that they're in for granted that that's how it has to be like i have to come into the office because I've been coming into the office so far. And oftentimes, people are very willing to sort of look at that differently. Oftentimes, you suggest, hey, do you mind if I um, don't come in on Tuesdays and Thursdays and I just do my work from home? Is, is that a problem? And the worst you can get is, no, you can't do that. And then, all right, at least you know. And, and the best you can get is, like, sure. And somebody just handed you another three hours in your week to invest in other better things. That's good advice. All right, Kitty. Now I want Very you. To, I want you to Very go. I want you to go do this. I want you to turn this around, and then I want you to call us back, and we'll uh, we'll. You don't have a site or anything we can pimp for you, do we? Not yet, but thanks to the call today, I think I'm going to take your collective advice, and instead of waiting, I'm going to get it going as soon as possible, and then just you know get things out there, and not worry so much about having a ton of stuff in a in a back room. Kitty, go do it and uh, call us back and let us know what what happens, okay? We'll help you out. I will. I definitely will. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the call. You're welcome. See, this show's about helping people, David. We're helping people. Sounds great. All right. Love helping people. Me too. So when when is this book that you're doing? We get, uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. We're going to do three more, three more calls and we're out. Oh, uh, and the guy three more calls and we're out. Okay. The guy that got. Uh, that had the weird sound going on. Yeah, he's the, in the chat room and he has, a, he has a question. Would you like me to read it? Yeah, go ahead. Um, he says, why did he play? Let me ask him a question first. <laughs> why did he play the, what was the name of it? The hypnotode? <laughs> hypnotode. I, I mean, I think this that? is him. He said, it, I seem to have got cut off right after it picked up. Yeah, yeah, likely. <laughs> he said his question was, he's found working at home, uh, but it's not for him. Coffee shops are too loud. How does one find something better than an office, but still separates the life and work location? David, where do your people who don't work in your office generally work? Are they at home? The bulk of them are at home. Some of them go to the some of them go to a coffee shop. But there's actually a 
a solution here. Right? It's very well sort of described. Co-location, co-location offices. Basically, an office that's not the office. So somewhere else you can go, which is mostly if you're, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if the office is in the same city as you're in. But if you're in a different city than your company headquarters and you're the lone outpost in that city, you can go to a co-location office. Um, Liquid Space, I think, liquidspace.com. Let me see if that's the right one. Yep, that's what it is. Liquidspace.com. They have 2,000 workspaces in the U.S., all sorts of cities, every single city actually in, well, not every single city, that's silly, every single state. Um, so if there is one in your city, you can just basically rent a desk. Uh, and it's kind of like going to an office where you're just not working with coworkers. So you don't get interrupted all the time. It's a place away from home and it's not a coffee shop and um, it's working really well for a lot of people. It's, it's a, that great sort of third space. Second space, I guess. Yeah, not going to the office it doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> no, anyway. I think I think you know, but that's really that's good. It's good advice, and there's every place, every town now, at least in a semi-major metropolitan kind of an area. There's co-working out there. I mean, the coffee shops are super, super distracting for me. Like I've never been able to go. I know people who work from coffee shops every day. So, so here's the funny thing. I don't know I, how I they like, do that. I feel exactly the same way, right? And I was asking at 37 Signals, um, so when do you go to a coffee shop? Aren't you getting interrupted all the time or whatever? And the funny question I got or funny answer I got from a lot of people were, they go to the coffee shop when they really have to work. I was like, what? How <laughs> the hell does that make any sense? <laughs> right, really? And the answer was it forces them to basically act proper. Nobody wants to go to the coffee shop to be the guy just watching YouTube videos. <laughs> Versus if you're just sitting at home, sometimes perhaps you lack that discipline to not watch YouTube videos or Reddit or whatever sort of waste of time that you're doing. And at a coffee shop, it feels embarrassing to do that. So being basically a stranger in a crowd forces you to be on your best behavior, forces you to dress up, get out of the house and... Look damn productive when somebody's staring at your screen, waiting for their double, triple, mocha, latte, whatever. Interesting answer. I mean, I don't think it worked for me still. I, I mean, I'm so in, I'm so conditioned now that I can't even seem to get anything done if I'm not sitting alone, quiet. And by quiet, I mean blaring music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not somebody talking to me. But for a good number of the people at 37 Signals, that's, uh, that's how Ryan Singer, uh, Sam Stevenson, both of these guys uh, mm-hmm. said this, that they go to the coffee shop to get stuff done. Fascinating. Yeah, I just, I, it, it, I know people who have worked in coffee shops and like, oh, you know what? I'll pick on, I'll pick on a buddy of mine. You, you probably even know him, David, Damon Klinkscales. He's a big guy uh, here in the Rails community, big, done a lot for the, the Rails community here and super cool guy. He's always in a coffee shop, like always. Now he's worked, he, I used to work with him at a company years ago. We were both doing software development. He's a very talented uh, developer. And, you know, he, he's here in Austin. Austin has great coffee shops, great restaurants, great places to sit inside and out. Every day goes to, you know, goes to a place, hangs out. He's got a nice little office set up at home. He's rarely there because he likes it. He likes to be out. I think he, you know, he's, I wouldn't call him an extrovert. 
He's in, he seems somewhat introverted, although he's a you know, great guy to talk to. Being introverted is not a bad thing at all. But he goes out there and he works in these places. And I'm, I'm like, man, I can't work here. I don't need to have absolute silence. It's like you, you know, I can play music or not play music. You listen to Sound Machine, you sit by whatever. But I just, I'm always, you know, there are people who go to a co-working space. They feel like they're around with other people. They can talk to other people. They can learn from them. They get that office environment to some degree, but they can also get into that creative zone, into that creative zone. What about you, Shlok, when you were there in, in your house eating, you know, eating pizza, wearing the sweatpants for a year? What yeah. was that like for you? You've talked you've talked about it and there seems to be a negative cast on that. Yeah. I mean, so I and this is where I come away with the idea that you need the choice to work at home. I was um I'm not gonna say forced, but just the way things were, like I had to work from home. And um and that meant, you know, I I had a separate room for that. That was cool. Um but there was no reason for me to walk more than I wanna say ten feet at a time. Uh, to the kitchen, to the bedroom, to the office. Right, and uh, and, and you did, were alone. You you do you were not your your wife was not there because you were not married. You I, didn't yeah. have kids. None of that. So it's not like you were there in a house in an environment where there were other uh, people to be with. This was you alone. You had tinfoil on the window. <laughs> well, actually, so I did have. Uh, I was living with my girlfriend, and um, but she worked from you know like normal hours, like an adult. And, uh, and that was also, you know, you get to see somebody later in the day, but there's again, no reason to like, you know, shower some days. And that's a question of like, and I know this is a question that we were posed a few minutes ago, but like working at home doesn't always work for everybody. If you're the kind of personality that needs a reason to put on clothes in the morning, um, then, then working at home is probably unhealthy for you. At least you need to temper it with spending some time, um, at, at a co-working place or at a, co- at a coffee shop. Um, I don't know. Coffee shops don't work for me unless I have an amazing set of headphones. Uh, co-working, I was at a stage in, in a startup where we didn't have the, whatever, 250 bucks per person per month to spend on a co-working facility, and that was just not approachable. And that's kind of my critique of co-working spaces is don't market to that early stage if you can't bring the price down to 50 bucks a month. Um, anyway, that's uh, a lot of ranting about all sorts of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's see if we get a couple more calls sitting here. Last couple calls. Then we're going to go. We'll one call left. We'll take one more. All right. Area code 817. You're on. Uh, Hey guys, this is uh, Tyler from Dallas. Tyler Durden. What's up? Uh, <laughs> what's up, man? Um, I just wanted to call in. Um, I guess my situation is a lot different than, well, not a lot different, but a little bit different than some other people who call in. I'm fairly young. I'm only 24. Uh, but I found myself in a corporate stooge environment. Um, I was doing a graveyard shift, uh, for IT in Dallas. And I actually live in Denton, which is about, a 35 minutes away, so I was doing that commute uh, back and forth. And with the overnight shift, it was just absolute hell. So uh, I did that for about a year, and I, I'm i still in school. Um, I'm in my final semester um, at UNT up here. And I just kind of thought to myself, I'm, 
I didn't really need that job. It was it was paying more than I'd ever been paid before, and so I kind of got into this. Call those the gold the golden of, uh, handcuffs is what they call those, Tyler. Yeah, and so it, it was kind of a it was a deal where I was making myself miserable. And for what gain? And so I'm in the last semester I see it. I, I want to ultimately start my own business. Um, I do website stuff um, and have done uh, for years kind of as a side thing to make extra payment and whatnot. But uh, I just don't know what to do to start a business. So I figure since I'm so close to finishing my degree, I might as well you know, obviously finish that out and not go crazy and try and start a business right out. But I guess why I ultimately called in too was what would be your advice for if I ultimately want to go that route, I'm willing to make those sacrifices, especially being younger, but should I get more experience under my belt before trying to do that? Or if I really know that that's the route I want to go, should I just dive head first into it. How much savings did you say you had with your golden um, handcuff job? You, you have at least three to six <laughs> months salary sitting there, right? I, I, I have about three months. Yeah. And I graduate in May. So I have enough to get through then. My ultimate goal is to move to Austin after I graduate. Unfortunately, I have to stay at UNT now to finish out my degree. So I can't move. Uh, but that is where I'm going afterwards. Um, but I don't have anything set up or anything like that. So I kind of just found myself in a crappy situation and quit off the cuff just because I don't know, you know, I, I figured I can, I can do better. Uh, I was in the, you know, how you guys were saying earlier, the company is giving you a, you know, a B minus situation. I was putting in B minus work and it just, it was, it was terrible, and um, I've done IT support for a long time with uh, okay. I worked for Apple previously. Okay, so you've got some good experience. Okay, you've got go good ahead. IT experience. It's, you're going to be moving to Austin anyway. You're going to be finishing school. It sounds like you're out there, and you could probably get a job. I know that you could get a job here in Austin with that kind of experience. I know you could just go in. I mean, there's Apple Campus open up here soon, too. So what's what's the big question yeah. is is what? When, that when you should do this? Well, my question... Well, not when I should do it, but I guess, yeah, if I should try and get more experience underneath my belt before going gung-ho into starting a business. Yes, I get as just... much experience as you can. Experience is underrated. There are too many 20-something people, young 20-something people who think that they know more than everything else. Not everybody's David Hanmeyer Hansen. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, if there were, then everybody would be out doing what he's done. I'm not kidding. The funny thing is, of course, that I worked at plenty of other software companies. That's how I knew I wanted to start a business, right? You, you can't, I don't believe you can be a good manager until you've suffered under a horrible manager. Oh, wow. What uh, good advice. Yeah, that's great. So you simply have to seek out some crappy jobs and you got to stick it out for more than two weeks. Yeah, really? Because you got to learn all the shit that crappy managers make you do. Just they get imprinted on your <laughs> skull that that is not how you're going to act and you finally get the chance to tell people... Yeah. What to do, right? First of all, telling people what to do, that's strike one. Um, so I, I, if you, how many jobs have you had in technology? Uh, in to well, two major jobs, 
uh, for, for how as long? far as for two major technology. Uh, yep. In total, about seven years. Oh. He's had some time. He's Dude. had some time. What's the magic marker then? 10 years? 15 years? <laughs> you, you have plenty. As long as some of your managers sucked, you're ready. Yeah. So do it. So finish out school and start your thing. And uh, if you run out of money after three months, you're 24, you can still go home. Slow can, uh, can tell you about that. Mm-hmm. Mom will still <laughs> take you in. But good luck to you. Call me in three yeah. months and tell me what happens to you, all right? All right, man. Thanks, all right. guys. Good luck. You're going to be fine. I'm not worried about you. All right. All Thanks right. for Thanks. the call. Listen, right. David, I know we got other, uh, we got other callers on here, but I'm, uh, I think, we're, I think we're, we've done well. Sorry to the other callers. Call Email or call back or leave me a voicemail. If you want to leave me a voicemail, we'll try to do some more of those on the next episode. 512-222-8141 is the number for the voicemail. You can leave me. I'll play it on the show. David, where can people go to find out more about you? Obviously, 37signals.com, very important site. I can't believe there's anybody in my audience doesn't know about that. You've got the book out there called Rework. You've got a new book coming out. There's a post that you guys did to it which is linked to in our show notes, 5by5.tv slash quit slash 014. You can also go to david.hannemeyerhanson.com. I don't expect that everyone in my audience knows how to spell your name, so I have that in the show notes as well. And uh, to make everything easy for everybody, you're just DHH on Twitter. That's right. And that's how you're known. Those people in the Rails community who know about you, you're DHH. Like, Do people walk up to you and say, like, hey, DHH, or do they call you David or what? DHH all the time, which is kind of odd. Well, actually, it's less odd than when people fucking call me Dave. I want to punch them in the face. Because what's wrong, what's wrong with that. Dave? It's not my fucking name. If I called you Scott, I mean, <laughs> what the hell? I, I love the fact that people who don't know you feel sort of entitled to give you a nickname. Like, <laughs> are, the they most, are they most? Well, Dan, we have problems with our name. We do. <laughs> but are people mostly American who call you that? Because I, Dave, yeah, yeah, they're all American. It seems to be a very American thing. Yeah, I was going to say I apologize on behalf of, of Americans who I think it is a natural inclination for Americans to shorten. Any it's kind not of... shorter, I mean, David. <laughs> Dave, it's the same amount of time to say. It's just a different name. Why? The, I mean, Nick. That's also pretty short. <laughs> Uh-huh. I mean, if my name was like, I don't know, Gustav or something that took a long time to say. Call you then, Gus. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can shorten it up. But if you're not shortening, you're just rewriting it. <laughs> what the fuck? Anyway, that's just a pet. <laughs> well, I apologize. if I, I don't think I've ever done that. Hopefully now I feel I'm a little nervous, but I don't think I've done that. I'll, I'll tell you. If you All right. Please do. It. Well, thank you. So you, you're here, twitter.com slash DHH, 37 signals. Anything else? you got the new book coming out, so there's a post. When is the book due out? It is due out in hopefully October. We'll see if we can actually fast track. It's really funny that all this shit blew up just around the same time that we're wrapping up the manuscript because we started writing it back uh, in November or so in earnest. And um, we're going with a traditional publisher who's going to put a nice paper book together and put oh, it wow. in bookstores and all that stuff. So... That unfortunately takes some time. So it's kind of like we, all this stuff is going on right now. We basically have a finished manuscript. So we're, of course, itching to get the book out. Get no this doubt. Information in the hands of people. Uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. Right now, it is 
October 29th. I love how precise these things are. Oh, and yeah. If you go on Amazon.com and, and, and find the book for pre-order, it's October 29th. Like, I wish I knew anything that specifically that far in advance, but um, that's how it is. Well, I have that uh, in the show notes. I'll put the pre-order link in the show notes too. I'm going to pre-order it. And uh, I really appreciate you being here. I can't tell you how nice it was to uh, catch up with you again and have you on the show. And likewise, everybody will uh, will check out if if they don't somehow know the stuff that you have created. Like, really, go check it out. Thirty Seven Signals dot com. And uh, thanks very much to you, and of course to Hadden Schloek for being here. Thanks everybody for uh, for tuning in. Uh, the links to everybody are over there at the show notes. And again, if you want to leave us a voicemail, 512-222-8141. And if you want to send us an email, we love those. I read every single email that you guys send me. Can't read them all in the shows, but absolutely please uh, do send those. You can do that by going to 5by5.tv slash contact. Pick quit from the list. And of course, CMS is written in Rails. What else? All written by me. I mean, can you believe it? I don't have full test coverage, though. You're fired. I know. <laughs> it's not that I admit that, but I can admit that to you. If I can admit that to you, I, I feel like uh, I've just unloaded all the weight off my shoulders, David. I forgive you. Okay. So everybody can go check that out, 5x5.tv slash quit, and uh, go check out the sponsors. And we'll be back next week, Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks again for being here.